Welcome to the Ready Eddy Podcast, where we help you discover innovative startups in the outdoor sport industry. Join us as we tell the story of brands who are paving the way for the future of outdoor sports. And here's your host, Josh Salvo. Hey, Ready Eddy Podcast listeners. Before we jump into today's episode, I want to shine the spotlight on our membership program. With it, you can get up to 50% off our brands, discover dozens of new innovative outdoor startups, receive first access to new products, gain access to ambassador programs for over 50 of our startups, and receive first access to purchase demo and trade show gear at 30 to 60% off. Head to readyyeti.com slash members to sign up. What is going on, Ready Yeti Podcast listeners? Josh Salvo here, your host. And on today's episode, I am really excited to sit down with James Robinson, the founder of Green Traveler. If you're not familiar with Green Traveler, they're the world's best travel-friendly food container. They've raised over $116,000 on Kickstarter. I'm really excited to be able to sit down with James. Thank you for taking the time to uh, talk with me. Absolutely. Thank you for taking the time to be with me here today. Yeah. So... I came across you guys, you know, right when you guys were launching your Kickstarter campaign, and I saw it, and I was like, this is such a brilliant idea. One, because it combines everyday necessity of carrying food, whether you're hiking, you're in the backcountry, or just the daily commute, and then it also brings in the issue of um, sustainability and reusing um, Tupperwares packaging for food um, and all of that. So I'd love to get into sort of how you came up with the idea and where it all started. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Well, it um, started in Northern California when I was in university. And as you know, Northern California is pretty sustainably minded. Uh, but even more than most of my peers, uh, it was absolute necessity for me not to use wasteful packaging every day and to bring food from home that was healthy and cheap. <laughs> Frankly, I was a poor student and uh, the only food that was nearby to buy was expensive, almost something like you would get at a gas station. So I was always making food from home and bringing it to school with me, but carrying a backpack, riding my bicycle, that did not work very well. And I often had problems leaking with, I'm sure many of you out there have had the same problems. So a glass jar turned out to be the thing I took with me the most. And sometimes it would be two glass jars because one is just not big enough. And on more than one occasion, I dropped it or riding over a hump in the road on my bicycle, it fell out of the backpack and broke on the street. Um, So glass was great, um, but it's too fragile. Stainless steel is great, but too expensive and also not leak-proof. So we had to design our own. Um, We searched the market for something to buy, but it didn't exist. And uh, we came up with this idea pretty much right away and wrote a business plan and then uh, entered a business plan competition. That was what really got it started to the point of just taking an idea into, all right, let's make this a reality. Uh, We won first place. $25,000 got us started, which was basically then a year and a half of design iterations before the Kickstarter. So, but that's what, that's what got the capital originally started. That's some pretty great product validation coming in first place in a, in a competition like that. So you came up with the idea in 2015, correct? 
20, it was actually 2013, oh, to be quite honest with you. And uh, then I put it aside for two years. <laughs> I became an investment banker and was, it was kind of a conflict of interest, but also I just didn't have enough time. And uh, investment banking just fell in my lap, so I had to do it. And Green Traveler didn't quite have legs yet. I wasn't convinced because it's made of plastic. I really didn't want to create another plastic product in the world. I'm trying to avoid plastic. So there was some hesitation with that. But of course, the you know, if you really think about it, we are reducing plastic. Absolutely. If you use your green traveler seven to 10 times, it's reduced its weight and waste. It's offset its own waste. Um, so yeah, use it instead of styrofoam as an example, or even waxed cardboard, which, you know, people think is sustainable, but comes from a tree it gets thrown away after five minutes of use and uh it really is not recyclable they just burn it so instead use your green traveler seven to ten times and it's paid for itself in terms of environmental impact um so that's good i i turned turned it around i basically quit investment banking and green traveler just kept knocking at my door i said all right fine let's let's make this happen so i quit investment banking start this business so what is your background? You go from investment banking to this. It's definitely quite a difference. What? what where did you uh, originally grow up? Uh, Colorado. Uh, born and raised in Colorado. I actually be- got the entrepreneurial bug when I started selling lemonade 12, 13 years old. And um, then I started my first business actually in high school as a landscape designer. I was really into plants. Went to university to study plants which is, again, relating to sustainability. But I fell in love also with mathematics and engineering, and I just was too ambitious for just botany in plant science. So I became an engineer. So my background is actually energy resources engineering, but I also didn't want to be stuck just in an office on a computer in front of a CAD program. So I got an MBA in business, and again, I was always interested in entrepreneurship anyway. I thought I'd be a project manager as an engineer, uh, but have a big picture scope of things. Uh, But it turned out that after I left school, my first job was business development, um, which I actually had a little bit of experience with also during university and the entrepreneurship I had already had up till that point. I was actually a massage therapist for the 11 years that I went to school. Um, so that was entrepreneurial activity as well because I could set my own hours when I want, work where I want, choose who I want to massage, and it was a fantastic uh, lifestyle. But um, with business development, it led me just one step to the next. That's how I got into investment banking, which is actually business development with just a finance focus. We helped our clients become uh, credible and make them, um, you know, look good in front of investors, basically. So we developed their business for them, helped them develop their business so that they could attract finance. Um, And Green Traveler can do the same thing. I now have contacts, of course, but we're too early stage. We we would be too high risk right now for investment capital. So we did the crowdfunding route instead. That's such an interesting journey. There's a few points that I wanted to to mention. I I guess the first one is um, growing up in, in Colorado, what sort of outdoor um, activities are, are you most into? Oh yeah, uh, outdoors <laughs> is my, outdoors is like my home. You know, I feel more at home outdoors than indoors. Uh, but I would say number one is rock climbing. 
I'm a huge fan of just climbing vertical cliffs. Uh, taller the better. Yosemite is just my heaven, really, even though that's California. But I got the bug in Colorado. I actually almost died um, before I started using ropes. Before I was trained, I just would climb. You know, like kids just climb things, right? But instead of a jungle gym, I would climb boulders and those boulders got taller and taller and taller and I almost fell from one and literally accepted my death I accepted my fate as a dead person and it was the most glorious experience I've ever had um, I wish everybody could go through that but of course you can't plan for it uh, but anyways a few inches from my life I actually hung on to the rock and ah, amazing story but um it kept me rock climbing, kept me, you know, addicted to it. I didn't stop on that day, and I will never stop until I'm in a wheelchair, basically. Um, but, of course, hiking, camping, I love being on lakes, rafting, kayaking. I mean, anything, basically, adventure sport related. Not so much a fisherman, really. I don't like just standing there waiting for the fish to bite. I'd rather swim after a fish with a spear gun or something, but um, <laughs> a, little more, a little more active. But, uh, yeah. The, the forest here in Sweden now where I live has just kept me going with taking one foot in front of the other through the forest we have rock climbing right nearby and um, uh, it's just glorious I don't know how anybody could say oh, I don't like being out in the forest that's the best place on earth every single forest I've ever been in is pretty much better than the last <laughs> that's awesome I can hear how, how excited it makes you just the idea of being outside. So you've been, you grew up in Colorado, you moved to California, and now you're in Sweden. Um, so you've done quite a bit of moving around. Um, so I, I guess like, and the business is based in the United States, correct? Yes, yes, it's a California LLC. Awesome. So what was the development process like with uh, Green Traveler? How did you go from the beginning idea in 2013? You obviously were very busy between then and now. How did you develop that first product and what did that first one look like compared to what the, the Green Traveler is that's on mygreentraveler.com right now? Basically, um, besides the two-year lapse, it was invention to a business plan competition to getting ready for a Kickstarter. Launching that Kickstarter was definitely a scary time, as every crowdfunder will tell you, just pushing that launch button and seeing what happens on that day, um, getting everything ready that you can, graphics-wise, and making sure that you prove to the audience that you have momentum already, that you have an idea that's well-proven, prototyped, uh, tested, and that you will follow through with it. You really have to build the trust of the backers. So spending a year making a video, uh, getting as much of our graphic elements together as possible, and um, we finally we finally got there. Uh, had a successful Kickstarter. Worked hard that month, all in making sure we were top-notch customer service oriented. And um, yeah, now. Now, the after part is a little bit more difficult. I'm sure that'll come up here, but um, manufacturing has just been the most frustrating thing I've ever had to deal with in any business. Uh, even previous 
um, business development related activities did not have to deal directly with manufacturing, <laughs> thankfully. Uh, so yeah, that's that's been interesting. So uh, even though I'm hugely customer service oriented, my customers come first. I really want to satisfy everybody. I want to make sure we have a good product. So for that, it's going to take as long as it takes to make sure that product is good. Um, and we just redesigned it actually, so I'm sure it's on the right path now. Um, as of this week, we're, we're we're looking pretty good actually, to tell you the truth. But, um, it's been six months when I thought it would be one month after the Kickstarter. <laughs> it's never as short as you think. Um, so launching the Kickstarter, what was it like building out your marketing plan? Because you got you guys had such an incredibly successful campaign of raising over a hundred thousand dollars. What would you would you say that there was one or two things that you would accredit most of your success to, or would you feel like it was more a combination of a lot of things? It was definitely a combination of a lot of things. I can't take all the credit for it. It was also a huge help of friends and family who stepped in in the beginning to, uh, you know, get some momentum with the Kickstarter to help it be listed high in Kickstarter's ranking so that it just becomes found organically by other backers. Um, so that was huge to have friends and family help. So that meant a big email list we compiled and reached out to them before the Kickstarter event to let them know that it was happening and then had really great friends and family who reached out to their friends to encourage them to, to get behind me on that day. And uh, that's, I think, probably the number one thing you can do is just have a network that can help you on the day you're launching. I couldn't agree more. So how big was your email list when you launched? Um, that's hard to say, but in the neighborhood of 1,500 emails. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I'd just like to ask that question for anyone who's listening that is starting to consider launching a Kickstarter just to give them an idea of where they should be aiming for. Obviously, more the better. Um, yeah. But like you said, getting it on... Um, Kickstarter so that they showcase it, that really is what helps you explode the popularity yeah. and growth of it. Yeah, and, and I'll say even though we had 1,500 emails, I would say it was really the 200 to 300 inner circle emails that really made the difference. You know, if you have two or 300 solid people who can really help not only just support you directly, but can really encourage their network to follow you, say, you know, as an example, your mom and your mom says, hey, my son is launching this thing and, you know, he needs all the help he can get. I expect you to be there for my son. You know? and, <laughs> yeah. and maybe 5% of her peer network will go there. And then if those 300 people all do that and 5% of all their networks becomes pretty big. So, yeah, my mom was a huge supporter, of course. My wife was a huge supporter. Um, and there are several others who just friends I've had along the way that were just powerhouses in, in helping this get to where it was. So yeah, definitely have an inner circle, not just 1500 emails and treating them all the same, you know, try to, I would say, isolate a inner circle, a sort of middle ground acquaintance, friend, outer circle, you might call it, and then the periphery. And of course, you're going to email everybody, but the ones that two or 300 is directed, focused, each individual person 
you let them know what you're doing in your life, they feel like they're connected with you, they know it's coming up, you talk about it as you stay in touch with them in the months before, uh, and then when it's ready to launch, they're as excited as you are, because they feel like they're a part of it already. That's great advice. That's absolutely great advice. When we started Ready Eddie, we did something very similar in just making sure that the validation was there and reaching out to your networks is so so important and so many people sort of overlook that and they don't realize how many people they're personally connected to or that their friends are connected to can really drive. Um, it's really crazy the results you can get if you can leverage that correctly. So. What would you say is something unique that no one knows about you, one of your products, your business, and how would you say it differentiates you from the other players in the outdoor industry? I'll, I'll definitely say I'd like to keep it more directed at the product. Um, yeah, well, I, I can say something from each of those. I'll just, for me, I'm tenacious. I'm going to go through it. It's scary as heck to start your own business. It is scary, especially when you're manufacturing. You have money on the line. Now I have customers that I need to satisfy. It is the scariest thing I've ever done. Rock climbing, jumping out of airplanes, that's easy. Going through jungles with poisonous animals, that's easy. Going through a business development process and manufacturing, that is tough. So you have to have thick skin and just be tenacious. That's one thing about me. About the product, what makes it most unique is that it has four different compartments all of which are liquid tight and uh, two loops which can carabiner clip to a backpack or a strap or even a belt loop. So those three elements make it more unique than any other product. Um, being able to carry four different foods that don't touch each other uh, has been fantastic. Having a container that doesn't even have to carry food, it could carry anything that keeps either liquid in or liquid out. So you can even keep your cell phone in it and uh, it'll stay dry when you're on the river as an example or for first aid supplies um, so the, the uniqueness comes in the variety of uses that this has and in being able to be carried without being inside a bag so that leaves precious room inside your backpack for other things that don't have a carabiner <laughs> right so, yeah. so Along this journey, did you have any mentors that helped you build Green Traveler or even maybe before that helped set you up and get you in a position to start Green Traveler? Wow, you know, yes, of course. I asked many people for advice and to be quite frank and uh, with all due respect to those people who tried very wonderfully to help me, I actually feel like the advice I got led me in the wrong direction. <laughs> I feel like if I had not asked advice and just followed my instinct, I would have been better off. And that's what I basically plan to do going forward. It's always helpful now to have advisors to at least bounce ideas off of them, but in the end, go with your gut. I would say that a good business sense, if you trust yourself, um, you're going to make the best decisions. So, um, yeah. Nobody knows this business as well as me, so nobody could advise me as well as I would have liked. Um, but I would say that what the, the person I would say I learned from the most was another business owner who, yeah, sold 
computer products and they manufactured and designed and had some electronics components to their their products which is much more difficult than mine and he just gave me some valuable advice <laughs> number one being as you're doing your finances in your mind drop a zero so that you can think about for instance hundred thousand dollars as being only ten thousand dollars so when you're spending ten thousand dollars it feels like you're only spending a thousand dollars because in your life it starts to feel like a lot of money you have to spend on the business but in the grand scope of a business it turns out to be actually quite little um, and as the business grows those numbers get bigger but don't get scared by those numbers it, it's uh, helpful to sort of sort of reduce what feels so large and look at the bigger picture rather than the minute detail um, and then the other thing is to leverage the people who do it best I as an entrepreneur I cannot wear every hat well I, I don't have the time let alone the skills um, or the software even so outsource some marketing outsource some design work for your for your product etc etc um, leverage those people who really know what they're doing find who those people are and always back up double the number of those people so always have two in case one falls apart <laughs> so those were those are advices i got along the way that have really helped me but uh, i would definitely say i'm i've been my my best advisor from just uh i don't know really being an entrepreneur since i was young so what would you say have been um what do you think you're best at when it comes to my, uh, Green Traveler? And what do you think are some of the areas that you're not so great at that you, like you said, need to outsource to other people who are more experienced? Mm -hmm. I think my the biggest asset I have is detail orientation, knowing, knowing what has to be done and not accepting anything less and then knowing it sooner than later. You know, there have been, of course, times where I missed a detail and later I have to go back, for instance, to the manufacturer and say, oh, I really want to do this. Oh, it would have been better if I had said that three weeks ago when we were first starting rather than they already got the process started and now I want to jump in and, and change something. So it really helps. Meditation is a huge part of my life, actually. I recommend every business owner have some meditation in your life, not only to relax, but also to think through, spend some time really thinking through at the beginning of a decision how to make it best rather than one step at a time and, and always sort of how shall I say, like stumbling along, changing it as you go. Um, so, so that detail orientation, that pre-planning, I think is, is my biggest asset, which pervades everything that I do. Um, finance, of course, numbers in general. I'm a numbers person. And it has become so that web development, um, HTML, CSS, SEO has become... Some, I, I never knew it before, Green Traveler, but I feel like uh, somewhat of an expert in that now. And I started out a little bit with engineering and CAD, but I don't have the CAD program, so that's what I outsource the most. And I'm starting to think about buying SolidWorks myself anyway, just to start doing 
it on my free time basically um, do do minor changes and, and leave the major design aspect to someone else but again I, I feel like I have sort of the best ideas and when someone else has to do it I have to tell them what to do so I might as well save some time if I could do it myself so I'm really thinking about in my free time learning uh, to use SolidWorks specifically to be able to do that myself and not outsource it. The second thing is Adobe. I, I just don't have the time or effort or energy or interest to learn photo, uh, Photoshop, Illustrator, and InDesign. I dabble in it. I've made resumes in InDesign. I know a little bit, but to the extent that some people are very, very, very fast and proficient, I outsource that stuff. So I just have some people, hey, make me some banners, some marketing banners, or make me some graphics. I, I lay it out in a rough sketch, and then we go back and forth on it. 99designs.com, I'll pitch them. That is a fantastic platform. You can ask for a contest, get a submission of 10 to 60 or even 80. We just re recently did one, 85 submissions and then you choose one, you don't pay for it until you choose one and they get you exactly what you want, where you can say, yes, I'll release the funds to you. And it's through a platform that monitors it third party. So, so that's been fantastic. Yeah, 99designs is pretty awesome. We actually use them to design our logo. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It was a great experience. I, like in the beginning, I was hesitant about it, but I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I wanted to ask you, you talk about all these different aspects, and you talk. You mentioned free time, and I know that you, you, you're you're the show. You are running everything, so I wanted to ask, how much time does my my or does Greet Traveler take from you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I was kind of laughing internally when I said my free time. <laughs> I mean, it it could take literally as much as I give it, um, but I would I would say that I I'm. At this moment, I'm pretty diligent about eight hours a day, which um, I actually still work a full-time job, not full-time exactly, actually it's three quarters time here in Sweden uh, to pay the bills because I don't have any real money coming in since Kickstarter, all of that is spoken for. It doesn't pay my life, you know? So um, I've spent every penny I have uh, on this business before going into the Kickstarter. So basically I have to keep working to pay my monthly bills. Um, and then I come home from work and I sit down on my computer and I work on Green Traveler until New York closes basically. So uh, this is 45 minutes later than I usually work, but um, that's pretty much two jobs, and so it's it's six to eight hours a day. My goodness, <laughs> what do you? What is your um, your day uh, job? Uh, I'm business developing in marketing for a Swedish local company that sells commercial baking products, um, baking equipment. So um, from baking pans and wisps. Uh, well, sorry, that's a Swedish word, wisp. Uh, Whisks, yeah. What do you call it? Anyway, things to things to bake. So even right. ovens and machines to baking sheets, and and I just help them again with. Uh, they've been doing business to business sales, and I'm helping them branch into business to consumer sales. I've helped them uh, with a new ERP system, the Enterprise Resource Planning. Um, they were using a Swedish 
based version, but they're an international company. So I told him that doesn't make any sense. Uh, so we, we got into an international ERP and yeah, they sell in five different countries. And so translation of their languages, SEO in five different languages, search engine optimization has been very interesting. And then now we're just getting into the more fun stuff of yeah, graphics and web development for B2C um, or business to consumer branch of their of their business. They've been around since 1972 and they have not yet had a business to consumer channel. So we're developing that. Sounds like you're a very busy guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Always have been. That's a good thing. Being busy is, is it's important. I'm the same way. If I'm not busy, I feel like I'm wasting time. <laughs> um, yeah. But if, if you consider busy being in the forest, that's what's well, cool. Like there's, there's, that's yeah. why I love the forest so much. I can still be doing something. I'm walking, but oh, it's so relaxing. So <laughs> that's my relaxing time. And my wife loves to do that with me, so we can go out together. That's awesome. So going back to Green Traveler, and you, you mentioned this a few times um, in the beginning in regards to sustainability, but I wanted you to go a little bit deeper in what your commitment is to being a sustainable company with Green Traveler. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we started this out in the beginning and wrote it in our very first business plan of giving 1% of net profit to the uh, 1% for the planet, it's called. And they allocate funds in various locations and we vetted them back back then. We think that's a fantastic uh, company who can, who it is their job to allocate extra funds in various places around the world where it's needed. Um, so we're committed to doing that once we have net revenue. <laughs> um, and I also would really like to set up a channel whereby we, any, you know, we designed the Green Traveler to last for life. I know that it would be great if we had repeat sales from customers, but actually I prefer not to have repeat sales. I hope that people take um, you know, hold their green traveler as if it was important to them, as if it was sacred, and as if they're going to use it until the day they die, and that it, we design it to hopefully last that long. But in the event that it breaks or you lose parts, of course we can replace the parts, but um, especially the breaking or, or cracking or deforming or for whatever reason it doesn't work, we would... Uh, like to offer a discount on a new part for that if you send us the old one and with that old one we can directly recycle it back into our product because if it's the same if the, the problem with plastics is that there's so many different kinds of plastic if you start mixing them it becomes a downward spiral it becomes less and less recyclable but if we could separate our plastic from any other plastic that is almost a hundred percent Re, re, reproducible. You don't really. Have, you don't have to color it again. All you have to do is grind it down, make it into nurdles they call them, and put it back into the thing. So of course it uses energy, but it's basically recycling without excess plastic. So my goal is to create something like that, and that's difficult when we have an outsourced manufacturer. But if we are in this game long enough, I would love to open our own manufacturing facility, and that will be an absolute. Um, part of our process. So recycling is one in-house recycling and 1% for the planet, 1% of net revenue. 
That's actually something uh, we've been looking to get into with Ready Eddy with our membership program is donating 1% of our proceed, our net revenue to a charitable organization. But I'm in the process of, I have to sit down and like you said, vet all the potential options. So I might reach out to you about 1% for the planet to get the, the full lowdown. Um, yeah. But what would you say has been one of the hardest parts about starting Green Traveler? Well, manufacturing. I mean, manufacturing for sure, and I'm sure every manufacturing business will say that. <laughs> and, and that's mainly because it is completely out of my hands. You know, I don't, I, I can visit the factory all day, but breathing down their neck only makes them in some ways slower because they're not not exactly but they're distracted and you know they they want to do it right so it just makes them nervous and i don't know it just seemed weird i i was thinking like in the future when we're through or even right now since we're redesigning uh while they're tooling to rent an apartment right next to the factory and walk there every day like you know pretend my job is working at you know i'll offer my free labor to do this to help you get this done so that it, it helps my business but um that doesn't seem to be an option <laughs> so so since it's out of my hands um that's definitely the hardest part because you have a vision of how it should be and one thing i really realized the hard way is i mean we know this as engineers and we're taught this you can design it perfectly and the people who actually build it laugh at the people who designed it because it's far from perfect even though it looks perfect on paper so it's the same here with our design we found out um, at least according to the manufacturer the material choice and thickness and just all kinds of factors cooling time outside temperature humidity all of it affects your your plastic in various ways so when you're manufacturing a gasket that changes the thickness and size of the gasket. So not, not only are they not as standard from one to the next, but they're also difficult to get exactly the way it looks like it should be on, on the computer, on paper. So uh, a year and a half of design work uh, and prototyping gets us to what seems like a great product, and then you have to injection mold it and everything changes. So um, in some ways, in the long run, if I was going to do this again, I would not spend so much time in in design phase prototyping. I would go a little bit sooner directly to making the injection molded final product in the material that you're choosing and then iterate from there. Um, start with a thicker product so that you have room to make it smaller. Um, yes, so that's the that was the hardest part. Second hardest part is customer service because especially if manufacturing isn't going well, customers are unhappy, that gets a little bit hard to deal with. Um, it's not only a lot of time, but also emotions. When my customers aren't happy with me because it's taking longer than they want and I have their money, totally understandable. But every time I have to answer an email like that or somebody wants a refund because we're, we're not delivering product that they expected to be delivered on time, it hurts me. It brings almost tears to my eyes. So that's the second hardest part of this business. I, I couldn't agree more. The, the first one, I have the utmost respect for businesses that manufacture things. Because <laughs> like with Ready Yeti, obviously, we're, we're an online business and we don't actually make any tangible products. Um, 
So, and hearing all the stories from everyone that I've had the fortune to interview on this podcast, like a lot of them talk about the difficulty of manufacturing and, and then the point bringing up with customer service, I'm the same way. Like if someone emails us and is having a bad time or doesn't like something or feels like they've been taken advantage of, like you said, like it, it physically upsets me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I'll come yeah. home and my girlfriend will be like, what's wrong with you? And I'll be like, ah, you, it's, <laughs> you know, like I can't shake it. Um, but as long as I, I know that I'm doing my best to um, do what's right for the customer and help them with whatever issue that they are having, like I've learned to um, separate it. I, I don't do the best job of this. Obviously, sometimes it still bothers me, but it, it's important, like you said, to obviously have the customer as number one and then you know making sure that you can do your best to accommodate them for whatever issue that they're having. Yeah. So, along this journey, what would you say has been and is your biggest fear in regards to Green Traveler and how do you manage it? Well, I mean, I guess the most obvious answer is running out of money is my biggest fear. Um, At what point do I call it quits? And because uh, I'm so tenacious, as I said earlier, I'm so committed to making this work. I mean, I, I basically feel like my breaking point is selling everything I own and being in debt and going bankrupt, which my wife would not be at all happy about. But I mean, I'm this far and there's so much traction, uh, so many people that have shown that they really want this product as badly as I do. I mean, it's a need that I need to fulfill in my life. And I'm sure there's other people out there that feel the same way and others that don't even know it yet. But once they sort of get the idea, oh, yeah, this could be so much easier. I mean, I still, this is my industry, and I research it every day and read about and think about and look at other products that are out there. And I I pay attention to people in my office and other places I've worked. I still don't understand how people who leave their house for a day take food with them. It doesn't, (laughs) there isn't really a solution. I mean, they... A lot of people drive, so that's not so bad, but a lot of people either ride a bicycle, walk, or take a bus or a subway or a train or something. And when you do that, you have to carry a backpack and stuff. Like, what do people do for lunch? Um, I think pretty much everybody just takes it in a Tupperware inside a plastic bag in their backpack. Um, Yeah, or purse, but that is not a solution. There's got to be a better way, right? So... I think once they had a green traveler in their hands and start using it and start getting comfortable with it, which admittedly takes a little bit of work, it's a little more complicated um, than people might be used to. There's a bit of a learning curve, but it's not rocket science. And uh, I think it will really change the way they, they think about their abilities to take meals with them, to stay healthy, to eat properly, um, and to not skip lunches, which is also not good for your blood sugar, etc. So, yeah. Definitely. So, along this journey, what would you say have been some of the biggest mistakes that you've made? Mm, Well, it was after Kickstarter, being excited about this momentum, sort of riding a high. We 
you know, we could have done better. I felt like even on, on the Kickstarter, but I'm not complaining. We did we did great, and it proved that the product is of interest to people. And I was a little overconfident in the design again because I spent a year and a half prototyping it and redesigning it. Had the twenty five thousand dollars and actually turned up a sixty thousand dollars, so uh, thirty five thousand of my own money as well in this in this business. And I thought we were ready, you know a month to just start the tooling two weeks to do the production run and we're shipping this out and it was naive um and here we are six months later and have redesigned and meanwhile what i did was start spending money on marketing and and sales like furthering pre-order sales and that was a mistake i mean in, in a way it's you kind of can't not do it as a business you have to once you're in the public you have to just keep going publicly and you have to keep proving that the market really wants this product that's not just kickstarter community but the world at large and so i hired consultants who have connections already with retailers and um, other distributors and, and buyers and it has continued to prove itself in sales which is great but all of that costs money and then it leaves not as much free for the manufacturing. So then I start to get nervous. Am I going to have enough money to complete the manufacturing and actually ship it when I know I have buyers? So um, at least the one good news is because of connections and because of friends, because of family and because of the people I've met in my life, I really believe that since sales are proven, I will find the money. Um, so it's not so bad, but it was a mistake. I should have probably made sure that it was manufactured the way I want it, ready to ship, and then gone to look for sales, even if that means some of my inventory has to sit in storage. That would have been cheaper than, than um, yeah, waiting so long to have product ready when buyers are ready and we don't have anything to ship them. Hindsight's always twenty twenty. <laughs> yeah. Um, what advice would you give to someone that wanted to start a business in the outdoor space or a similar business to Green Traveler? Um, yeah, in general. Come talk to me first. Let's collaborate. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I would say most. Um, but if you are really going to do it on your own and you already have an idea about it. Um, yeah, I would, I would say come with a solid idea that nobody has thought of yet that you can't find. Do your due diligence. Make sure you've researched the market to make sure that product doesn't already exist in some form. Um, and once you've done that and you have at least a prototype or two, you can start kickstarting it. That's great. Have, have enough marketing material together to make it definitely legitimate people can tell you're serious about what it is you're doing and then get their feedback on how to improve it finalize the design and move forward from there don't spend too much on marketing after kickstarter focus on getting the product ready and shipped out to people um, then start the marketing so that's what i'll say but i would love to collaborate with anybody else because there's there's room for Green Traveler to have more products, and it sucks starting from the beginning. <laughs> that is for sure. So if you're listening and you got some ideas, definitely reach out to, uh, to James. Um, I wanted to ask what's in store for the future. Where do you see Green Traveler going in the next year, five years, and even ten years if you've thought about it? 
Yeah, I, I have, and I I hope to continue running it. Um, when we first wrote the business plan, our exit strategy, which every business plan should have, said only one sentence: "Nature does not have an exit strategy." So neither do we.、Um, that means that I would like to continue it basically as long as I can, as long as Green Traveler exists.、Um, I can't imagine giving it up. Something like Steve Jobs could have never given up Apple. Uh, until the day he dies, you know.、Uh, so I would like to continue it, and there are many plans. In fact, another mistake I made was starting the design of new products, which already are basically ready to launch. But I don't want to launch them until I've delivered the previous product. I just think, as if I was a backer, it would look weird for a person to launch another Kickstarter when they haven't even delivered the first product yet.、Um, but we have product. Standing by, ready for another Kickstarter.、Uh, all of it is sort of related to and integrated with the current design of the Green Traveler, and、um, in the future we have other travel-related, I would say, con- you know, traveling convenient products for for people.、Um, so we're going to stay in that space. And there's, yeah, I have a list of things that I would love to invent that I. Always wish I had when I was traveling in different circumstances, but sometimes like all of them、um, will be integrated into one backpack. Would be perfect. Like I want to be Mr. Gadget or something. But、um, <laughs> yeah, there's there's a, a list which I am not going to say, but、uh, it'll be a lot of product development and continuation of worldwide sales.、Um, I hope to make people's lives better. I hope to make the planet better. And、um, I hope people can use our products for life. So, what's the best part about running Green Traveler? Hmm, yet to be determined. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>、uh, sort of, yeah. Sort of like the the idea of just trading hours for dollars. I think is the biggest reason I don't want to just have a job. Where I work an hourly wage or even a, a salary, because then I, you know, I only get paid for what I work, and I feel like、um, in my life with how much I've done, it's shown me that there's so much potential for having something work for you, so that it can make money even when you're sleeping, and that is the the thing that excites me the most. About it, and that in this case, I can choose what that is exactly that we create and what we put out in the world and what brings us the income. So,、um, yeah, working for myself has pretty much been what I always have done. Even as investment banker, I was an independent contractor. So, I mean, I had a boss technically, but really, you have to be an independently motivated worker. And I don't know anything else. I, I've never really worked under a boss before.、I've、just had colleagues and been part of teams.、Um, so now it's it's cool to be the owner of a company that eventually I can build my own team and choose who that team is. And、um, yeah, just keep developing products, keep meeting people, expanding my network, having a great social outlet, and making money even when I'm sleeping.、Mm-hmm. I, I like the sound of that.、Um, it's definitely one of the aspects of building a business, especially an online business. In today's day, you can build a business and run it from anywhere. 
You don't mm. have to be in the big cities or in uh, the area in which your demographic is. You can literally be anywhere, which is a really cool aspect. And like you said, you can be sleeping and your business can be running and, and making you money, which is a fascinating aspect in itself. Um, I, I really want to thank you for uh, taking the time to share your story, James. And for anyone that um, wants to learn more about My Green Traveler, um, you guys can check out readyeddy.com because we're actually going to be giving away three My Green Travelers between May 9th and the 23rd. Um, so if you want to do that, you can head over to readyeddy.com and check that out. But James, if people want to follow along with what you're doing and um, keep tabs on what's coming in the future with all the new products that you're going to be releasing, uh, where's uh, the best place for them to do that? Yeah, our website is mygreentraveler.com, and there's an email sign-up. We send out regular newsletters. Uh, you can always email me at james at mygreentraveler.com, and uh, I think those are the two, two best ways. Of course, if you search My Green Traveler, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, we're there as well, but those, of course, you can find links to on our website. So mygreentraveler.com is pretty much the place to find everything. And we will uh, we'll have the links to that all in the show notes, so for anyone listening, you guys can check that out. But with that, James, I want to thank you so much for taking the time. It was a blast getting to know you and Green Traveler, and we're super excited to see what you, uh, what you do in the future. Thank you so much, Josh. I appreciate it. And thanks, everyone, for listening to the end. appreciate your time as well. Look forward to seeing the businesses you all create. I hope you're inspired to do it. Follow, follow your dreams. Keep it going. Never give up because it's so easy every day. You kind of question why you keep going, but keeps keeps leading you forward. So once you start, you can't stop. Enjoy it. That's great advice. Well, thanks, James. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Take care. Hey, Ready Eddie podcast listeners, if you enjoyed today's episode, then I would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready Eddie podcast. I'll catch you next week.